Welcome to the What About series, where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easily digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get right into it. All right, so like you already know, we're talking about schizophrenia. And we, I mean, the outline for this episode, again, it's going to be the same as everything else. So we're going to go over the summary, some of the symptoms, the risk factors, the diagnosis, what that looks like, and then some treatment options. And along with the summary in today's episode, we're also just going to talk about some of the stigma behind schizophrenia. And so starting off here, schizophrenia is not like multiple personality disorder or now called Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID. People commonly get that mixed up because of the coined word schizophrenia by Swiss psychiatrist Eugene Bueller, or Bueller, 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 in 1911. It derives from the Greek word that refers to splitting, schizo, of the mind, phrene, schizophrenia. So schizophrenia is a psychotic disorder which impairs a person's thoughts, perceptions, and behavior to a point where they can no longer function properly. Psychotic or psychosis have nothing to do with violence, serial killers, or misconceptions of that nature. I think when people think of schizophrenia, they think of rampant Ted Bundy mm-hmm. serial killers, and they like they're schizos. They're schizophrenias. They're schizophreniacs. Schizophreniacs. Yeah, they're, um, they're <laughs> yeah. crazy. They're they're gonna kill me. Yeah, it's unfortunate because that's it's not true. And like Austin and I were just talking about this before. We're when we used to think of schizophrenia, we would think of multiple personality disorder or disassociative identity disorder, which is now what it's called. And again, that's not true. There is no really different uh, identities, moods, peoples. Yeah, and it's not a primarily aggressive mental health. It's not, you're yeah, not it's... always going to be super aggressive. Yeah, that could happen with the hallucinations and the delusions, but. If anything, um, schizophrenia is the opposite of like aggression. Yeah. Because of some of these symptoms, you'll see it's it's really like a, a dull life and just not aggressive, very laid back. And yeah, the more I've learned about it, it's like, actually kind of a, an isolated life. It's very yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. sad because you don't, you can't really. It's hard to determine reality from yeah the uh, the hallucinations, the delusions, mm. the paranoias. It's hard yep. to. It's a very lonely and very. Uh, stressful life i couldn't imagine what it would be like to constantly be trying to figure out is that toaster talking to me is that yeah am i are these hallucinations that i'm having about aliens coming to hurt me like are these things happening are they real? real like is yeah. that it's got to be really hard for people and it's not just ted bundy's it's not the um, serial killers of the world and like i don't know what the stat is on serial killers that are schizophrenic but i mean maybe there's they a just good... say it's not linked at all yeah to it and it's so, so i mean can't imagine that every serial killer doesn't have schizophrenia or at least like none of them have ever had it, because I'm sure some of them have, but not enough to the point where it's directly linked. Yeah, there's maybe a tiny that. relationship that like yeah. it happens, but probably the vast majority of people are just people struggling with another anxiety, not anxiety disorder. It's a, another person struggling with a mental disorder. Psychotic disorder. Just like anyone yeah. else struggling with any type of mental disorder. It's a it's a struggle, and it's a it's a real struggle that we need to destigmatize a lot. Yeah. Specifically with this issue, because of the you hear schizophrenia, you hear. Like when I hear that still, I'm like, Ugh, 
That's scary. Yeah. He was schizophrenia. Okay, I'm going to stay away from you. Keep my family You're crazy. Away from You're you. psycho. Yeah, psycho. That's a big one. Yeah, calling yeah. him crazy and psycho. And... It is a psychotic disorder, but yeah, you could probably change that word, to be honest. Yeah. Come on, DSM. Maybe a little, a little silly. How about that? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we're just, we're a huge thing about this series, about this this podcast in general is killing those stigmas because it's it's a real thing that normal people struggle with and so that's what we're here to do is to take down that stigma yeah it's not it's not a violent thing yeah because once you see people without that stigma like you're it's much easier to show empathy for them Mm -hmm. and realize that they're just normal people like you with different struggles exactly so yeah now we're gonna get more into the stigma and we're gonna go into symptoms and talk about what these people, these real humans, <clears throat> deal with. Yeah. So the symptoms for schizophrenia are divided up into two sections. Um, positive symptoms and negative symptoms. And that doesn't mean that the positive symptoms are like good symptoms symptoms, or like yeah. happy symptoms. And the negative yeah. ones are bad ones or not good ones. Yeah. It's more like what we were saying before this. That it's um, like the positive is... The positive is that yeah. it adds something to someone's life that normal people, quote unquote normal... Yeah. Non-schizophrenic people, yeah. Non-schizophrenic people don't have, and which you'll see, things like hallucinations. And the negative symptoms are taking away things that non-schizophrenic people do have, like feeling different emotions or feeling motivated or taking care of yourself. Those are, you know, what you would say, quote-unquote, a normal thing to do. And with people with schizophrenia that is not the case that'd be a negative symptom yeah don't come naturally yeah it's taken away and the positive is is it it adds on top of what non-schizophrenic people have. yeah hope exactly. that makes sense kind of com- complicated a little weird but maybe it'll make sense after we read this um so the positive symptoms are they're things that add to something unusual or different to what an individual may experience think or do these are things like hallucinations delusions and disorganized thinking and behavior so the thing that's being added to the person's life are the hallucinations. Mm-hmm. A normal, I mean, again, quote unquote, normal person doesn't typically have hallucinations that's being added to their life. And then the negative symptoms are things that result in noticeable decreases or absences in common behaviors, emotions, or drives. Some ex- some examples of this would include a flattened emotion, lack of motiv- motivation for self-care, and significant so- social withdrawal. So they they subtract from um, social interactions. They subtract from their ability or it's their mo- their motivation is subtracted from them. Mm-hmm. Their emotions are subtracted from them by this disorder. Yeah. So hopefully that kind of makes sense that it's a it's more subtraction versus addition. Positive is like a plus sign and negative is a minus sign is in what's ha- what the symptoms are how they're coming on. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Now some risk factors here we have genetics, environment, and what's interesting here like an example for the environment is during pregnancy, if there is a lot of stress, infection, malnutrition, and or diabetes, that can cause someone to have schizophrenia. And I thought that was really interesting. Then you have the normal brain structure and function. And then marinara. Mar- I was going to say marinara. Marinara. <laughs> Marijuana. Marinara sauce. So... <laughs> Marinara sauce is linked directly with <laughs> schizophrenia. So if you've ever eaten marinara sauce, no, just kidding. Oh man, it's a um, marijuana. A really interesting study that I found, and this is I kind of contributed to this one. But 
kind of came across it on a, on a paper I was writing for school about substance abuse in general and how it contributes to social problems. And I just kind of came across the study that said the relationship between schizophrenia and underage marijuana use. And it's specifically um, underage um, during brain development. So basically teenagers from 12 to 17, that's kind of the study like age group that they were doing. Hmm. They found that teenagers that were using marijuana heavily, THC, um, heavily that they if they were predisposed to having that genetic factor of schizophrenia, they were more likely to develop the schizophrenic symptoms and in like a more intense way, like the symptoms were more intense and more common than individuals that were predisposed that didn't smoke marijuana. So I guess simply put the teenagers that were predisposed to smoking, <laughs> predisposed to smoking, predisposed to developing schizophrenia, the ones that were predisposed to developing it and smoked marijuana developed it earlier and more intense than the ones who were predisposed to and didn't smoke marijuana. Mm. And so maybe, maybe you don't know that you're predisposed to developing schizophrenia and you pick up smoking weed. You could be at a higher risk to developing those symptoms and then be stuck with it the rest of your life. And yeah. so that was just kind of a, like just, it's again, it's not to say that if you smoke marijuana, you're going to develop, develop schizophrenia. It's just to say there's a very close relationship that they found between individuals that are predisposed that smoke marijuana. Yeah. And when thinking about all of these, just remember the biopsychosocial model. Mm -hmm. Every single part plays a role in the issue. You know, genetics could be play the bigger role than like your environment or your social life, whatever. But they all play a role. And here's an interesting study. I'm going to try and word it. In a, in a simple way. So there, and this is, so this study was done with kids who were adopted and all these kids, they, their birthing mothers, is that what? Birth mothers? Birth mothers. Birthing mothers. <laughs> uh, anyway, their birth mothers had schizophrenia and so they split this group up and 40% of kids, of those kids, this is over 35 years too. Really long study. But 40% of those kids who did develop schizophrenia were in a troubled household. Meaning a house where there's a lot of either abuse, stress, whatever it is. And that was one group. And the other group, 4%, only developed schizophrenia and they were in a stable household and so they still develop schizophrenia but you see that they the percentage of them actually getting schizophrenia in a stable house with you know less stress not going to say no stress because that's impossible but less stress no abuse just you know you know what i'm talking about when there's a stable house mm -hmm. And so they're, they still developed schizophrenia, 4% did, but a lot, they were a lot less likely to if they were in that safe environment than if they weren't. So you're literally, if you're in a stressful environment, you're 40% li more likely to develop schizophrenia if you're predisposed to it genetically than if you were raised in a more stable, healthy environment. And... Yeah, there you go. That's all I'm going to say about that study. I think, but, yeah, I might have 
I'm, I wish I could quote the study or like link it in the show notes because yeah. I, I lost it. But there's another study that I read for one of my family classes in school that showed that a lot of kids that develop schizophrenia in troubled house home, house homes, households, <laughs> and all types Ooh, of gaps today. today. Wow. Um, awesome. The kids that develop schizophrenia in troubled households, it's it can be a coping mechanism mm. for having being in a schizophrenic situation or a schizophrenic household, one that's um, like... Where if it's an unstable household, they develop those schizophrenic symptoms to kind of cope with and to match the, the I don't want to say the vibe, but to match yeah. the the pattern of the household yeah. and to fit in, I guess, a little bit more. It just becomes the, I can't remember what it was called. I can't, there's a theory that, that proved or that they used to prove this study that there's the interaction that we interact with our environment to kind of match the environment to cope with it better, hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah. I wish I could have that interesting that study to link it in the show notes, but it was very interesting that we learned that it kind of matches what you're yeah talking about there that it could be higher just because they're trying to cope with their environment right so yeah and so genetics and environment nature nurture both play a big role in schizophrenia and if you are predisposed to schizophrenia like your mom has it, your dad has it whatever doesn't mean you will get it but there is a possibility and you can actually have an effect on it. I mean, if you put yourself in, st in stressful situations, then statistically you're more likely to develop it and you can practice mindfulness, yoga, Tai Chi, and be less, uh, have a smaller chance of developing schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's things you can do just like others. Yeah. Things you can do to help yourself. Yeah. Yeah, now getting into the diagnosis, um, it's, this could be kind of confusing, so we'll try to work through it the best we yeah, can. Schizophrenia, but as far as the DSM goes, is complicated. Really complicated. Is crazy, is weird. The way they do it, I don't agree with, but hey. Yeah, maybe in the who, DSM who 6 it'll be better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but kind of break, we're going to break down as best we can. Um, this, can this is like a direct um, pull from the DSM. Yep. Um, so the diagnosis... Just reading straight from the DSM here. Two or more of the following symptoms must be present for a significant portion of time during a one-month period or less if successfully treated. At least one of these must be um, the following three, which are delusions, hallucinations, or disorganized speech. So one of the symptoms must, or two or the, one of the symptoms needs to at least be one of those first three, which is delusions, hallucinations, or disorganized speech. Or that month period again i know this is confusing hope you're following along but it's confusing for us too yeah We're so trying. let's say you let's say <laughs> you have hallucinations you need to have at least hallucinations for a month and the other two um symptoms that go along with the the diagnosis are grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior and then negative and then the negative symptoms that we talked about earlier that you can go back to and we won't go to now but which basically are just diminished emotional expression or avolition i don't know what that word means but so those, you need to have at least two of those symptoms. At least one of them needs to be the first three for at least a month. And so, uh, I guess kind of the second part of the diagnosis is that those symptoms need to create a significant disturbance in your daily life for it to be considered for diagnosis. And then moving on um, for the duration, and this is the kind of the part where it gets really confusing, and maybe Enoch can help here, but... Um, the duration needs to be at least six months with with one month of criterion A effects. And I think Enoch has a pretty good, better explanation for this part but because I forgot what that means. Yeah, this is 
this is just really weird here. So we have, so the duration is at least six months with at least one of those months dealing with anything we talked about in that first section there. So one month of at least delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, grossly disorganized catatonic behavior, or negative symptoms. And then the rest, the five months, let's say you only deal with those issues for one month, five, there are different different categories of negative side effects of schizophrenia that we're not going to talk about, but those in and of themselves, you can experience those for five months uh, while dealing with these other ones, other, I would say, bigger, more apparent uh, side effects. Yeah. Yeah. For at least one month and you can have the others for five really weird or you can have delusions for three months or four months but it has to at least be over the course of six months and again this is why if you think you have schizophrenia go to a professional we don't, don't know what we're talking about yet obviously <laughs> so don't listen to this episode and say oh my gosh i have schizophrenia <laughs> i was grossly disorganized for a month <laughs> yeah <laughs> if that's don't. the case i've had schizophrenia for a long time <laughs> by the way abolition I just looked it up. Where to oh, go? Evolution? Okay. Oh, man. Where'd it go? Oh, gosh. I swear I just had it. Evolution just simply means not being able to work towards a goal. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there you go. Unable to work towards a goal. So, again, that weird duration. We're going to move past that and move on. Um, the last little <laughs> diagnosis criteria is the disturbance is not... Like the disturbances, the symptoms are not attributable to the physiological effects of a substance. Like, I mean, if you're taking a bunch of shrooms and you're doing a lot of um, LSD, of course you're going to have hallucinations. Hallucinations, man. Yeah, of course you're going to be tripping and maybe having some delusions and some paranoia, be grossly disorganized and have other emotional expression issues. If all you're doing is doing shrooms and smoking marijuana all the time. Um, But again, that's because of the the substance, not because you have the genetic or the diagnosable disorder. So that would also be ruled out. Yeah. The therapist or psychologist would ask you, you doing shrooms? And if you are, then you probably don't have schizophrenia. Because yeah. it's hard to differentiate because you could. He'd probably ask you to go off the shrooms for a little while to see if the hallucinations continue to come and arise. So, yeah. yeah that's just, They have to rule out substance use. That's a big deal with uh, diagnosis. Yeah. Okay, now we're on to the treatment. There are a lot of different treatments that are available for people with schizophrenia, which I think is actually really cool. And we have here, so I'll list a couple. So we have antipsychotic medications. And these are actually the things, the one treatment that helps the most out of anything else, which is interesting Mm, from what I've read anyway. That's what I found as well, that like this is the one like criteria of disorders where I'm super pro-medication that people need them and that it's very helpful and it's a miracle that we have them yeah. to help treat these really complex conditions. And so, yeah, antipsychotic, antipsychotic medications are very beneficial yeah. for because, schizophrenics. Yeah, the medications for schizophrenia directly affect the causes of schizophrenia, mm-hmm. whereas other medications, like even antidepressants, don't effectively, directly affect the cause of depression. 
if that makes sense. It's like, it's kind of like the best way that I've found it is that antipsychotics are a lot like antibiotics. They actually go towards the root cause of the issue mm. rather than just yeah. covering the symptoms like ibuprofen would. Like yeah. if you have an infection, yep. you take ibuprofen, it's going to help with the pain because of that infection. Yep. But if you take the antibiotics, it's actually going to go in and solve the problem. It's going to get rid of the infection. And antipsychotics are very similar to that. They help because we've talked a lot about chemical imbalances and stuff like that and neurological problems and antipsychotic medications actually do help with that a lot. And so very um, beneficial. It's a, really a miracle that we have those to help with people yeah. like this. So See, there we go. That's why I brought Austin on here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he, he always knows what to say. Okay, these different... Uh, now on to treatment again. There are different forms of psychosocial treatments such as family education and support. Coordinated Speciality Care, or CSC, which is a general term used to describe recovery-oriented treatments. Treatment programs for people with first-episode psychosis, which is an early stage of schizophrenia. And then you have Assertive Community Treatment, or ACT. No, 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 not acceptance and commitment <laughs> which therapy. Which could help, for sure. <laughs> could help. But, um, so ACT, or Assertive Community Treatment, are for those at risk of repeated hospitalizations or homelessness. And this is a multidisciplinary team that is assigned to helping every aspect of your life to get you back on track. And I think the cool thing about schizophrenia, I guess the treatment of schizophrenia, is that you can practically heal completely, if mm. not fully, with the right treatment and with the right amount of time. And obviously, you can have like schizophrenic episodes every once in a while if you've dealt with schizophrenia. But if you've gone through treatment, then you'll know what to do. And those uh, little episodes will go away. Um, but there are some people who schizophrenia will be a, an issue they deal with the rest of their life. That's very apparent. And like we've said several times, everyone's just so different. But there are treatment options for everyone when it comes to schizophrenia. And statistically, they are very successful in helping helping you with schizophrenia to get back into your daily life and to do what you want to do and to not let it inhibit your life. Yeah. And I just, I, I think I would want to end on kind of what we started is that, again, the, the main purpose of this podcast and the series is to break down stigmas and to see how far we've come. Yeah. If you think about in the 70s, we we're still in institu institutionalizing people for having schizophrenia. We just throw them in a, in a mental hospital. Autism. And, yeah, like Down syndrome, autism, yeah. depression. We throw people in, I mean, they call them loony bins and they call them the crazy houses and stuff. Yeah. And we just throw them in there and um, just kind of let the state take care of them. And there's still situations where if you have really bad um, disorders and you can't take, care, can't take care of yourself or are danger to yourself or others, then there's... There's opportunity. There's places you can go, where you can get the help you need. But even mild forms of schizophrenia would get thrown into these um, institutions. And to see how far we've come to now, where we have these really effective medications. We have books and therapies and teams that so you can try to live the most normal life possible. It really is cool to see that we've come so yeah. far as a mental health world. We have a long ways to go when it comes to breaking down the more cultural stigmas of of things like just the word schizophrenia. Um, we hope that you guys will go forward now a little bit more educated, a little bit more aware of the terrible things that schizophrenic 
I guess not schizophrenic people, the people who experience schizophrenia, what they have to deal with on a day-to-day, yeah. the struggles that they might feel. So I know I do. Hopefully all, all you do as well. Maybe a little bit more empathy for the, the individuals that struggle with these these symptoms and this disorder. Yeah. Here's a little story that I read recently. There's this guy who dealt with schizophrenia, and he got his symptoms um, fixed, all gone. Every now and again, he gets let's call it like a flat effect, which is your emotions are just flat, you don't really feel much, and kind of just has little episodes every now and again, not often at all. And he he wants to start putting himself out there and to start dating, dating different girls. And and again, he got rid, it took care of his symptoms like eight plus years ago, but whenever he went on a date, schizophrenia would come up somehow. And then the girls would instantly think of like only ask some questions about like, Oh my gosh, like, did you ever like have thoughts of killing people or, you know, just that classic stigma. Like were you mm-hmm. not necessarily, were you a serial, serial, serial killer, but kind of the, along those lines, like, you know, are like, you going to kill me or like that yeah, type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. And so this affected him in a way that he would always be thinking about what he's going to say. If schizophrenia does come up, like, huh. did he, is he going to say that he's never dealt with it or, if someone says, you know, did you ever deal with mental illness in your life? Is he going to lie and say no? Or if he says yes, how is he going to deal with it? Because they're instantly going to think of that stigma and only make the whole date night about schizophrenia. He says it's happened several times where the girl's just asking questions and questions and questions about schizophrenia. And that's all the date was, was just questions about schizophrenia that he got over eight plus years ago. And so you can see how that can affect someone's life. And he's just a normal dude, man. I mean... Wants to date just like anyone else. Wants to live a normal life. Yeah. He's a normal bro. But because of the stigma around schizophrenia, it's really the stigma that affects his life the most than actual schizophrenia. Interesting. Which is unfortunate. So, if anything, yeah, I hope this episode has opened your eyes a little bit. Your iced, your eyes a little bit just to realize that people with schizophrenia most of the time are just normal human beings i mean people with any issue are normal people with different struggles than you Mm -hmm. and if you don't struggle if you don't have any issues comment down below let me know what you do and we'll have you on the podcast and you'll be famous new york times will write an article on you exactly and the man with no problems or the woman we can't. We may or may not promise that you'll be super famous. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll lean towards the yeah. You'll be super famous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the point is, we all deal with things, and so learn to be more empathetic, more gentle with people. And just because someone has schizophrenia or depression, anxiety, doesn't make them any different than you. And so have empathy, be kind, and go throughout your week, life. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thanks so much for listening on this episode for our What About series. If you like it, please leave a rating and review. And we'll talk next Tuesday. Yeah, or maybe even uh, leave us a DM or a message oh. that we want to hear about. Yeah. If there's a specific, I don't know, disorder or mental illness that you want to know more about, we'd love to specifically target the things that you guys want to hear. So maybe hit us up on uh, Instagram. 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 Man, we're not drunk. Our words. Drunk. Like, I'm just tired. Our words. It's been oh, a long man. Day. But, anyways, yeah, hit us up on Instagram. Let us know what you want to hear about next, or we'll just keep pushing out episodes. But 
as always, thank you guys for listening. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah.